Episode 171, Practical Advice About Practical Innovation. Today, I speak with John Lynn, the founder of healthcarescene.com and the Health IT Expo. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Generally, there is lots of talk about moonshots and moonshot innovation. Everyone wants to be the Airbnb of healthcare or the Uber of healthcare. But there's plenty of innovation that is desperately needed and could be found very low to the ground. No need to go searching the moon for it. Today, I speak with John Lynn, founder of HealthScene.com and the organizer of the brand new Health IT Expo coming to New Orleans, Louisiana at the end of May 2018. John and I talk about the seven types of innovation today, the seven types of innovation that are not disruptive or breakthrough kinds of innovation, things like fixing patient check-in, forms, better EHR UX or ways to document notes or desktop management, all these air quotes little things that have enormous impact on our day-to-day and which are totally overlooked when we start shooting for moons. By the way, John is giving Relentless Health Value listeners a $600 promo code to Health IT Expo. It's Relentless. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, John. Thanks. Great to be here. Every day, there's millions and millions of dollars that are, are spent and millions upon millions of transactions that transpire. So kind of the question is, how do we allocate energy? Do we, we put a lot of energy into trying to exponentially leap forward? And how much are we focusing then on just bettering and evolving the day-to-day? It's a great question. And let me be clear that I'm not against moonshot ideas and I'm not against disruptive innovations. In fact, that's what most venture capitalists are looking for. They're looking for oversized returns in a market that will allow them to return great results for their investors and their limited partners. So these are valuable things and they're a lot of fun. It's more fun to talk about the moonshots or talk about the exponential growth of a certain application that would allow you to change healthcare. We all love this. My problem with this is that every conference focuses on just that. They only focus on what's going to transform everything in healthcare. And then very few of those things actually come to pass. And there are very few conferences that focus on other innovations beyond the disruptive innovations and beyond the breakthrough innovations. And there's, you know, I, we've defined as part of Health IT Expo and the conference that we're organizing, we've defined these seven other areas of innovation that are available beyond the breakthrough and disruptive innovation. And most of the healthcare IT professionals that I talk to and that are part of the healthcare scene audience, those people are looking for other innovations that will allow them to be more successful at the jobs that they're doing now. Sure, they love to talk about the things that are going to be great 10 years from now, the artificial intelligence that's going to transform everything and that's going to make it so that they don't need doctors. They love that discussion. 
but it doesn't actually impact healthcare today in many cases. And so that this is the challenge that these health IT professionals have is they go to these conferences, they have some fun, it's interesting to their mind, but then they go back to their office and they say, what can I actually implement from what I heard? And many of them sit there and say, nah, nothing really. <laughs> there was very little value to them beyond maybe some interactions they would have with peers. Sometimes they get down into the more root innovations that will help their organization. The majority of conferences focus so much on the disruptive and breakthrough innovation that they don't highlight the other innovations that healthcare IT professionals really need. Yeah, and I would also suggest that disruptive innovation versus the other seven types, which I think is fascinating and I am looking forward to getting into. I don't think that those two are actually counterpoints. In certain ways, I think one kind of begets the other. And this is what I mean. I was actually at one of the conventions that you're talking about, talking about big things, you know, giant leaps forward. And someone popped a slide up and the slide read, the electric light did not come from the continuous improvement of the candle, which is a quote by apparently Aaron Harari. And I sat there thinking to myself, okay, agreed. However, the electric light probably wouldn't have been invented unless someone found fire and then figured out how to make a candle and then gas lights or lanterns. Because you can't sit there inventing into the evening unless you can actually see what you're doing. How I think this relates to healthcare is that if you're so busy doing your everyday tasks, you don't have the time or space to actually figure out how to operationalize or even conceive of these moonshots. Indeed. And if you think about it, the LED lights did come through the evolution of the light bulb. So we see that the, the evolution of innovations happen within it. And I'm not suggesting that we should stop thinking about finding new light bulbs and new technologies that will totally disrupt and transform. But what I'm suggesting is we shouldn't stop iterating on what we've already implemented. Uh, you know, I think a better example is the car. Uh, you know, because they have a similar quote with that, right? Uh, if if you would have asked uh, Ford, what did they want? They say faster horses, and he invented a car, which was a much better solution. Of course, if we still had Model Ts today, we'd all be spending our time trying to get our Model T to work because you had to do maintenance every single day. Now we have cars that you don't have to do that maintenance on, and so we have seen the huge improvement in cars in their efficiency, etc. So, uh, you know, we have to do both. It's not an either or. The problem I see in healthcare is we don't see almost anyone focusing on how do we improve our existing system. Or said another way, if I'm a health IT professional, I need to deal with the thousand desktops in front of me that I need to upgrade to Windows before I can start thinking about any sort of other disruption. Or if I'm a data analyst, I need to make sure the data that I have available to me is clean. And what are the innovative ways to clean that data, to make sure that the data is trusted, to make sure that data is secure? Because if I don't do that, you can apply all the artificial intelligence in the world and all the healthcare analytics in the world to that data, and it's going to give you crappy results. So my view is 
What are the innovations that are going to enable healthcare to finally spend time thinking about disruptive innovations and breakthrough innovations that will actually improve what they're doing and work? Because right now, if you apply a lot of these breakthrough and disruptive innovations to the current technology infrastructure, it'll just blow it up and won't actually be effective. Yeah, totally agreed. I'm reading Ray Dalio's book right now, Principles that everybody's talking about, something that he said that I think is in alignment with what you're saying. And the point that he made was evolution of industry consists of adaptations that provide spurts of benefit, but those benefits ultimately decline in value. So you've kind of got this painful decline, which either leads to new adaptations and new inventions that level up the organization's However, if you've kind of got this painful slide and you're not doing anything incrementally in order to address that descent, then what winds up happening is you you kind of wind up going down a hill that you're not necessarily in a lifetime day-to-day way addressing. And, And in some cases, you can see that happening in the healthcare industry as it gets bigger and as more patients enter the system. And I don't know, it's a little bit of entropy. No, and you have to remember that, especially from the technology's perspective I come from, we implemented all of these electronic medical record systems, these EMR, EHR systems, but we did it again under a false market of $36 billion of stimulus money. So all of these hospital and healthcare organizations slammed in EHRs as quick as they could because they were chasing the stimulus money. And now we're in a very different environment where they're saying, okay, now what's next? And so they, they want to know what are the innovative things they should do on top of the EHR. What they should they do beyond the EHR? What should they do to improve their workflow? I mean, they have all of these challenges and problems that they face, and there's solutions out there, but they don't know where to find them. They don't know what where to get them. Sure, they find pockets of innovation through friends, through colleagues, through peers, but we haven't created a great way to spread the innovations that are happening in healthcare across the entire system. Yeah. So with that, let's get into your nine types of innovation, although today we're only going to talk about seven. And there is a great sort of, I don't know, sunburst graphic that you have on your website, which I really love because I think it does a fantastic job breaking down what you were just talking about, the different ways and things that can be innovated upon in order to achieve incremental or stepwise improvements. So Once again, not talking about breakthrough and disruptive, which are in the lower right-hand quadrant of the sunburst, but where should we start? You want to start with process because you just talked about workflow? Yeah, definitely. So process innovation is such a valuable thing and so many people forget about it. It almost doesn't even feel like innovation, which is the other challenge with many of these innovations. As we've reached out to health IT professionals for our conference, Health IT Expo, we've asked them, hey, will you present your innovation? And they say, was it really that innovative? And we're like, yes, it is. You just don't realize it because you don't know what the rest of the world is doing. They're all doing it so poorly and you've figured out a way to to do it more effectively and efficiently. Uh, you know, I think a great example of this when you look at it is, is a company called Protenis who said, let's take all of the EHR audit logs 
and let's take that data and let's mine it to understand where there could be security and privacy issues. It's a simple process change. Sure, it's applying some technology as well, but it applies a new process to understanding who's accessing the incorrect things and who should we audit to see if there is a security and privacy breach. It's just a small change. Every organization has been looking at these audit logs, but they only do it when they get a report. So now it's applying a new process that says, let's evaluate those logs and find out where there might be security and privacy issues. It's just a small change to a process that really provides a great impact. So these are the simple kind of innovations. And and no doubt there's hundreds of each of these categories. I think the product innovation category is one that we see a whole lot of, and it's really easy to understand. But many people look at it and say, is that really an innovation? And the answer is yes, absolutely it is. You know, a lot of these are EHR interface innovations. So many of them say, well, I'll just take from my EHR and implement it, and that's good enough. Well, if you're an end user of an EHR, you know that that innovation is not very good because they've already made their money. And so we have new platforms coming on, whether it's NoteSwift's uh, voice interface, a voice assistant, essentially, that lets you interface with the EHR completely by voice. And it's deeply integrated with the EHR. So it documents where you need to, but you can do it all by voice. And that's a product innovation that is so valuable because it saves the doctor time doing it. Or whether you're looking at someone like a breakaway group that does EHR training, what a great product they created. They actually model it after the airline simulator. So when you're a pilot and you're trying to train to become a pilot, you go into these simulators. And they said, hey, why don't we apply that to the EHR world? So they create these EHR simulators where they train you how to document. And then you go into the simulator and you learn firsthand how to do this. Now, why does this matter? And why is this innovative? Well, the problem is, When you first implement an EHR, everyone's trained and everyone has a high level of skill and they're great. But over time, you lose people and so then new people come on board or the people that are there forget about their training so they stop doing it in a a normal fashion or at least according to the standard. So this EHR training can raise your level of expertise of those documented in the EHR that are new and just need to know what that standard is but also it can raise the level of the existing ones to a higher standard because there's a degradation that happens over time, which is kind of what you pointed out to, Stacey, as far as you know, expertise diminishes over time. Well, with this EHR simulators, you can see, has it diminished? And when we retrain them, did they actually train effectively and learn how to do it? So these are just a few examples of product innovation. And another one on kind of a different focus area is all of the new virtual desktop solutions that are available. I love this uh, part of it and what we're doing at Health IT Expo. We have a whole category called IT DevOps. You know, for example, a new virtual desktop solution is from Dizion. It's created this great virtual desktop that provides some incredible security enhancements. It provides a lower cost alternative to buying an entire desktop and allows you to deploy it much quicker and much more effectively and to manage those costs. So it's like, is that really innovative? And the answer is yes. When you're managing a 1,000 desktops or 10,000 desktops for some of these large health systems, being able to effectively manage your desktops is an incredibly valuable thing. And if you do it poorly, 
it's going to impact care. And every single nurse that has to fight for a desktop or that uses a desktop that doesn't work knows that's the truth and the same for the doctors as well. And so understanding how to do this effectively and innovatively is a powerful thing that actually impacts care in a big way. We've talked about in rapid fire process innovations, product. And I think, you know, one of the things that you just said before we get to the the balance of categories here, but one thing that you said that I think is really important to spotlight, sometimes these incremental innovations are tough to spot for the person who did the innovation because that individual has a context that makes the next step potentially seem kind of obvious to them. They put two and two together and got to four and then quickly got to five. But unless someone was standing there kind of in their footsteps and had and did those same mental gymnastics as them, it's not clear and it's not obvious. I think that happens a lot, that people aren't aware of what they just accomplished. Definitely. There's some great examples in the incremental innovation category. Something as simple as how do I manage my forms? Forms are spread across the entire healthcare system. And you know they don't realize that, oh, I could innovate in how I manage the forms that my patients fill out and that my providers fill out. But when you look at the form solutions that are out there, it's so innovative to provide an entire f- platform that allows you to better manage the forms in an effective way, in a secure way, in one that gets better data from the patients, that engages the patients in a more effective way. And they don't even realize, one, if they've implemented this form solution, oh, there's 10 other areas of my health system that could benefit from this, uh, let alone that every other hospital system could as well. So they don't even realize the the value of it. Another example is like EMPI, the Enterprise uh, Master Patient Index. How, How do you identify a patient when they get checked in and across all of your systems? Uh, We're seeing some great innovations there around moving to the cloud so that every one of your IT systems can check with this master master patient index and avoid the duplicate patient problem or at least minimize that duplicate patient problem. Most of those that are implementing these EMPI solutions don't even see them as innovative. They're just like, oh, well, isn't this the right thing to do? And the answer is yes, but a lot of people aren't doing it that way because the culture of healthcare wasn't implemented that way and healthcare has been around so long, they don't realize that there's a better option. You know, the same goes for the check-in process or patient registration. They don't realize, oh, if you apply biometrics, you're going to reduce your duplicate patients as well. Or if you implement digital signatures, you'll get rid of all this paper and save all this money. Uh, but, you know, those that do it see it and say, yeah, well, why wouldn't everyone do it? And then others are so inundated by their cultural history that it's hard for them to realize that there's a better way until they start talking to peers and understand that. Yeah. And the examples that you listed, you had mentioned earlier, desktops, just managing desktops well, or the check-in process or forms. Those are the things that impact real people every single day. And if you're a older Medicare patient, for example, with shaky handwriting, and you've just been asked to fill out the same forms for the sixth time in the same day because you just went from, you know, one specialist in the hospital and got an MRI and then went somewhere else. This stuff matters. And it might matter, arguably, right now, today, the most. Going back to your millennials, 
they're starting to even demand those type of services and only want to go to those that provide the retail-like experiences they have in other places. So for example, you could offer a new service that totally makes sense as far as online self-scheduling. There's a great company, Stericycle Communication Solutions. They have a solution to be able to offer that. They've implemented this. They know how to do it. And if you work with them, they can help you go through the process, which quite frankly is a scary process for most organizations to say, wait, I'm just going to let my patients schedule an appointment in my clinic. Are you sure about that? But they know how to do it. They know how to set it up that you actually will save a lot of time and provide an amazing new service to your patients that actually reflects what they experience in the rest of their lives. Secure messaging with patients is another example. In fact, even secure messaging doctor to doctor, we're all texting in our personal lives. Why aren't we doing this in healthcare? And the answer is fear in most cases one. And then two is, okay, how do I implement it? The way you overcome that fear is by spending time with a peer who has done it and can allay your fear that the patient is going to annoy your doctor all the time, or that it's a HIPAA violation, or you know all of these other check boxes that need to be checked. They can be if you spend the right time with the right people to understand that, hey, we can text in healthcare if we do X, Y, and Z. The other types of innovation that are left are service innovation, business model innovation, outcome-driven innovations, and organization innovations. How do you want to tackle those, John? Yeah, so I mean, I think the online self-scheduling and secure text messaging fits the service one pretty well. But the business model one, I think the best example there is telemedicine or any of the value-based reimbursement one, right? So if you look at the chronic care management codes, those are all innovations that are going to change the business model and provide new models for them. If you look at the organization one, I love all of the people management solutions. I think we underestimate how much it costs our healthcare system to manage scheduling nurses, for example, or scheduling the doctors. And there's incredible solutions out there that are taking all of the data and using a data center approach to better schedule. Now, when they dig into it, they realize there's a whole culture there related to it and there's challenges. But it's amazing what happens once you take those cultural norms and incorporate them into a tech solution. It helps you understand, oh, this is what we've built. And then you ask the question, should we do it that way? And there's a lot of value in just asking that question. Now, if you look at outcome-driven, I mean, there's some different examples. I like to look at the barcode medication management systems that really, you know, work in, in, you know, these could be in process. No doubt there's overlap between uh, the innovative areas, but I love the way barcode medication management ensures that the right person's getting the right drug. You know, often it's attached to a card on wheels, which also provides a different workflow benefit. But, you know, these are valuable solutions that many have implemented but not enough. And they don't implement it because they're not sure how to implement it. And so we need to provide a platform for organizations to share what they've done that doesn't feel innovative until they talk to someone who's not doing it. And then they realize, oh yeah, maybe we're more innovative than we thought. Here's something I think might underpin a lot of the why not. Besides the idea that Sometimes it's unclear, even between organizations, but even within an organization, you know, there could be a team 
who is just killing it in one part of the health system, for example, or even the hospital or even the, the provider organization, and not even quite realizing that they just stumbled upon a best practice. So the communication aspect, I think, is not to be underestimated. But so I think might be the unwillingness to change. I mean, I, I do feel like there's a reason why change management is a huge and growing area of expertise, that people are threatened. As we were talking about the, the forms or patient check-in, there's people whose entire careers and jobs depend on there being a check-in process, which is what it is today and who may feel like they are going to innovate themselves out of a job with the self-check-in. What are all those people in that back office going to be doing? So they may do everything in their power in order to impede progress. Do you have any thoughts on that? Now, definitely change is a hard thing for any organization to swallow. The key to any change really isn't the benefit that the change provides. It's not really even whether it's the right thing to do. The biggest thing you need when you want to implement a change is a high-quality leader. If you have a leader that expresses the vision, that gets the buy-in, then change is not nearly as bad. If you do not have that leader and that leadership that goes and creates that culture that says, hey, we're going to implement this change and here's why and here's how I'm going to get buy-in and here's I understand your problems and here's why it's not going to be an issue. If you don't have that, then it's unlikely to happen. But I think that's one of the other challenges that we have with innovation in healthcare is that these leaders go to these conferences and they hear all about these changes and say, yeah, we need to implement them. They go back and they share it with their teams and their teams are like, yeah, that all sounds great. But you know what? You already gave me 15 projects last year. Which one do you want me to take off? And then the leader says, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> we can't. Ha we don't have time to implement this because I already gave you those other 15. And you're right. Upgrading our network infrastructure is still required and we need to do. Otherwise, this new change, this other breakthrough innovation you want me to implement doesn't mean anything. So we actually need the full teams involved with going out and collaborating with the vendors, collaborating with their peers, and understanding how they can do their job better so that they're coming to their leader and saying, hey, here's some innovative solutions we could implement in our organization. When they do that, the CIO can get behind them and provide leadership with buy-in from the organization already, and that creates a very different environment than when the leader himself tries to push change on everyone below. So if we're talking about practical advice here, you know, advice, practical advice about practical innovations, you just mentioned a couple of things which I have taken note of. You know, one is a high quality leader that supports the vision of change and, and incremental change. Another thing is communication, which we've talked about, making sure that intra-communications, but also inter-communications are there. And to that end, I would suggest the piece of advice might be to go to the convention coming up. But then also, it seems like vendors are a part of this. In what way? Definitely. So when we looked at Health IT Expo, 
and we said, what are we going to really create here? Because we don't want to just create another Me Too conference that everyone goes to, but they don't really know the value they provide. I mean, that just felt hollow to me. I could have started that conference anytime, but that's why I never did start a conference until now. So at Health IT Expo, we said, what do we want to do that's different? And we said, the first thing is we want to create a community of people. We're not creating a conference. We're bringing together a community of people that can share and communicate the innovations they're experiencing in their organization, and they can hear from hundreds of their peers to understand how they can solve a certain problem. And that may happen at the conference or it may happen six months after the conference because they went to a, a club and danced with that person. Now they're friends. And then six months down the road, they say, oh, I got this problem. I'm going to reach out to my friend and get my solution. So you know, that's the first thing is how do we bring peers together to really become friends and become connections that they can use down the road as problems continue to evolve? The second one, more to your point, is how do we allow vendors to be part of this process? At most conferences, there's almost this adversarial kind of culture between vendors and attendees and the attendees try to hide from them. The vendors try to bring them in with all sorts of crazy things from booth babes to giveaways, et cetera. And we're like, that doesn't make sense because if I'm a hospital IT administrator, I have a hundred to a thousand different vendors that I work with. And I need my vendor partners to be successful. And if they're successful, then I look good because whatever they implement reflects on me and my performance in the organization, even though all I did was implement what the vendor actually offered. So we think that the relationship between IT professional and vendor needs to be a collaborative one where we actually work together to solve the problems that really vex healthcare. And so I think that's the other key piece with vendors is creating those collaborations and not make it this adversarial thing. Now, the, the final thing that I think is valuable with the conference is also just carving out more time to be strategic and think about how could I improve what I'm doing? So many of these healthcare IT professionals are just putting out fire after fire after fire. And coming to a conference like Health IT Expo gives them a little time to slow down and rethink, am I doing this in the most effective way possible? Or are there innovative ways that I could change what I'm doing and actually be more effective? So it's the idea, could you slow down just a little bit so that then you can run much faster. So I think that's the other value that comes from Health IT Expo. Yeah, just back to the vendor idea, it definitely would be important to get purchasing departments on board with the whole partner collaborator idea, as oftentimes it's not necessarily the IT department or the end customer who creates the adversarial relationship, but Sometimes. I agree. And, and yeah. many people don't understand that they as a customer have the power in the purchasing process. And if they want interoperability, they need to include that in the purchasing agreement. And if they do, then they'll get that result. And so, you know, there's a lot of value in understanding the purchasing process to ensure that you achieve the results you want to achieve. Talk a little bit about Healthcare Scene and the conference. Where can people go to get more information? 
Healthcare Scene, you can find at healthcarescene.com. We have a network of five different health IT blogs. We've published almost 13,000 blog posts over 12 years. So just a ton of content, all the latest and greatest in health IT news. So you can check it out there. For the conference, we have this great domain, expo.health. So we thank our partners, .health, for hooking us up with the great domain. So you can just go to expo.health, find all the details. The conference is happening May 30th to June 1st, 2018 in New Orleans. So someone gave me a compliment about my first conference. They said, I knew you were in charge, so I knew I'd learn a lot and I'd have fun. So obviously, we had to be in New Orleans to satisfy the second category of learning a lot, but then also having fun. And also, as you know, we wanted to offer uh, Relentless Health uh, listeners a great discount. So anyone listening to this podcast or if they find it on the website as well, if you just use the promo code RELENTLESS, you'll get $600 off your registration. So we're offer, you know, happy to offer your listeners a great discount to attend and really be part of this healthcare IT community focused on practical innovation. I knew you were awesome, John. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. No, I'm just lucky to be here with you. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week, the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.